0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Five Rings Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie on the Sports Podcasting Network. Follow us and listen to us live on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash sports podcasting network for more content. Good day, good
1: night, welcome back to the Five Rings Podcast, or welcome to the Five Rings Podcast, I'm Kev Larme joined by Dwayne Rollins as always as we break down our Olympic experience day two and day three, we'll come back to day three after the break later in the show we'll give our medals for day two first to start, but Dwayne, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well, uh, you know. Sleepless for the week—that's what I'm saying here. That's—I'm going to stick with that story, and uh, we'll we'll move forward.
1: Thank you, Olympic Games in Asia, for really throwing our Arcadian cycle for a loop. All right, let's <laughs> go
0: ahead. Yeah, exactly. My eating cycle, I don't know what's lunch, what's dinner, but it's fine. It's you know what's great? Of-
1: I know you're not a coffee guy, but for me, I could not go through this with coffee. If there is a very good coffee sponsor, I could be a really good spokesperson for you right now.
0: <laughs> I'm more of the cold drinks with the caffeine, and it is what I how I consume because I'm a man of my generation where pop was all we drank. But anyway, yeah, it's a—it's you need a little caffeine, get it however you can.
1: Exactly, to get through uh, the hard life that it is to watch Olympics, an Olympic game. Day two and day three here, as we took a little time Sunday to to restart our circadian rhythm the proper way. Uh, let's talk about day two, and we'll get back to day three. And of course, you're going to meld a bit in our minds. It's sometimes hard to differentiate which one is day two or day three, especially when we don't do a show to determine the beginning and the end of each day, so... We're going to talk about day 2 to begin with. And uh, I'll start by my wood medal today. We started with you yesterday. We'll start with me today. And my wood medal for day 2 and that has been resolved since then and we'll talk about it later. But the men's downhill on day 2. I was really getting excited. It was early in the evening. I was like, "All right, this is day 2. I'm I'm ready for it. I've got my coffee. It's it's about 8 p.m. at night, everything's about to get ready, and then I, I I, watch television, and they tell me that, unfortunately, due to high winds, we will not have immense downhill. And that's my f- wood medal. It is a tradition here on the Farmers Podcast that I give a wood medal to Mother Nature once a year, because usually once an Olympic at least, a downhill of some sort, or a skiing event of some sort, is postponed.
0: It, we actually got it in the summer this time too. Uh, the the triathlon, if you remember back to the five ring summer coverage, was postponed because of basically a typhoon going through through Asia. At the time. So,
1: <laughs> well, it's a good it's a good re- reason to postpone your marathon because what if someone's last and a typhoon comes and with the big wave you're from last to first you know you never, yeah, you never know.
0: It was a uh, it's a tough one though. The weather you can't control, of course, other than you know selecting where you're going to go in the first place and understanding what the weather patterns are. Uh, we could talk. To to the uh, fifa world cup about that yeah, oh, I surprise say. surprise, what, surprise what in be... november <laughs> yeah it's gonna be november now um at any rate but yeah no that's it's tradition that the men's downhill which is usually the what starts the alpine events uh gets postponed so it rarely stops the Al- starts the alpine events these days but uh it's been like i it's a pretty venue i'll say that about the the hill up there yeah. the mountain. i suppose it, it is it's quite attractive but i was watching the um, uh the giant slalom this morning the women's giant slalom there's a lot of people going out i think there's that snow is causing problems up there in terms of the man-made element of it it's very hard uh there's a hard fall in the women's uh grand or giant slalom today as well that uh unfortunately the we're not sure how she's doing now but she was stretchered off so
1: yeah there's so been yeah yes yeah, so it's pretty dangerous sometimes
0: yeah it, well it's always dangerous that sport in its own you yeah. forget like it's the original. Uh, It's the original Extreme sport, right? (laughs) Because
1: when we think about the downhill, we think about our experience with the downhill, and the camera does not do it justice. If you would see what a real downhill course looks like, and you have to go straight down, yeah, you would really be scared, because I would. I, I was scared. I've tried to do that, and now there's no way. I have to go left or right in a very horizontal fashion, not vertical like they do.
0: Um. yeah anyone who skied like I mean you go to the double diamonds it's, imagine a double diamond that goes you know forever,
1: forever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is first of all higher than the Statue of Liberty the Empire State Building and another building combined which is yeah. pretty
0: impressive like I said I think I said the other day that I I'm a decent skier but it's it's, you know, a double diamond is not something you take too lightly, right? It's uh, <laughs> you want to make sure that you're uh, you're doing it right. And um, it, it's 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 a scary sort of situation, as we say, the original extreme sport. But, yeah, the weather you can't control. It did get off today. Well, we'll wait for the second half. I don't know whether you have it in the medals or not. Yeah. But well, is, I,
1: I did have a I did want it to talk about it at some point. So, all right, let's go for your wood medal for day number two.
0: All right. If you listen to soccer today, you know how much I love, uh, VAR. Oh, it's just my favorite thing ever. The constant, uh, Nick picky, look at the, at the back and, and to look at everything closely in terms of, uh, reviewing plays, but, uh, uh, I didn't think it would creep into my Olympic watching, but then I forgot completely about short track speed skating and how many times you have to stop and look and look, and you don't know what they're looking at exactly after a certain points. So my bronze yeah. medal is what I'm calling short track var. Now I, I'm not, I'm not actually blaming the decisions. I don't know the sport as detailed enough as I should to. Uh, or as I could to make an, a statement on whether they're making the right calls. But what I will say is that it's just it's tedious to have to stop all the time. And I get it, but it's still just tedious to watch constantly. And we, we, we were watching the short track play out this morning in the 1,000-meter final. Um, we'll get to that in the second half maybe. But the 1,000-meter final <laughs> was just outrageous. It was like a push. <laughs> and a That's a bloody
1: and- tackle. Yeah. <laughs> so dwayne's wood medal given to v a r video assistant refereeing in the short track world, <laughs> but you know what? Not a bad way to go about it all right let's time to move to. Uh, The food portion of today's show, let's move to the poutine medal, Duane, and I'll start with my poutine medal for day two. The poutine medal is given to our best Canadian performance or moment of the day, and for me, my favorite moment of the day was one... That left me in a place where I thought it was really dusty in the room where I was, uh, maybe even a bit more of a emotional state where it was kind of hard to keep my composure. I was crying a little bit when Justine Vola Lapointe did her jump in the final of the moguls. And, of course, she's been uh, really successful over the last few years. She's won medal in the Olympics. And this time around, she was doing a run in the final. She did her first jump. She landed, lost control, and landed heavily. Missed a couple moguls. It was really painful to watch. It looked like she was hurt. She got back up. She asked for a pole. She continued. She f- continued all the way down. And then she hugged her sister. And she used to be on the podium of the Olympic Games with her sister and uh, their three sisters. And they've gone through a whole lot of emotional events over the last few years, from the health of one of their parents to all the way to uh, winning and to bad injuries and to some of the sisters retiring. So a lot of emotional moments for the great sisters and just in. But she thought it was really important to finish the race. And she got back down. And then she started to talk to the camera. And she was saying, you know, I didn't want to finish this race like that. I think it's important that people know that when you fall down, you got to get back up. And you got to finish. And um, it was important. And I went to see my sister. And she was telling me that it's important that I I come and see you and talk to you guys. And it was such a beautiful moment. And for Justin for La Point, who knows what the future will. Hold. they're starting to be really busy with their television career who knows if in four years time she still will be competing if this was her last olympic moment it was one to remember
0: uh, certainly yeah and if you don't they're they're quite famous particularly in Quebec as you mentioned but but they were the darlings of uh, a few olympics ago so so absolutely uh canadian olympic legends there so a legend in this particular case and not the best way to go out, but uh, sometimes those, uh, you know, um, glory, gloryful losses are, are, are more memorable than the wins in some ways. Sometimes, so, so that's a good one there. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, a different sort of track from my poutine. It, it is a performance, uh, not exactly a podium performance, but a a performance that that was reaching the best potential and taking the sport that he was involved in up to um, a higher level than it typically has been in this country. And that's, I'm going to go to the ski jump. I know you like the ski jump and I'm going to put Mackenzie Boyd close, uh, 12th 12th place finish, uh, in the, in the men's long, or that was the regular help. But, um, it's not a sport that we're particularly good at in this ca- in this country. There's only one ski jump out in Calgary that, it, that exists for them to train at. So it's, it's a difficult sort of situation to, to bring it up, but there has been a little bit more funding in there. There has been a little bit more attention given to it. And as much as 12th place, if you're not, you know, if you're only metal focused, you might not view that as particularly interesting or good. But when you're typically in the past finishing 50th or 60th and then you have a 12th place finish, that does a lot of things down the line. It helps the entire program, too, because of the way we fund things in Canada. I have talked about it on the podium. I talked about it on, on the first show, uh, the first metal show this, this week, about how it. It rewards success, so getting a top 12 finish in the Olympics means you're going to get a little bit more money injected in there. It's going to mean that the next generation that follows him up, he's still young, so he probably has another Olympics, but next generation beyond him will also get more opportunity because there's more money in the program now, so it's just – it all – all matters and it was a good performance and they did well in the team event this morning too Uh some medals for that for me there but but also a decent um performance yeah. for them
1: especially for a country like Canada that we're not known for our ski jump prowess and I was watching the team event I was not it was on my first screen so it was maybe screen number two and uh, the audio was not on but I was watching it when I was working on other things and I was impressed by Canada's result because we're not last and just being part of that team competition having men, women, and all the result combined was very important to see also for the future of the sport. The ski jump on the woman's side, it's really growing too. So, Noah, it's, it's a really good choice that you have uh, chosen there.
0: Yeah, and... Uh... The jumps get a couple more t- days of that, and it's always fun to watch, as you say. Talk about extreme! Everything in the Winter Games is an extreme sport. That's just face to
1: <laughs> Well, exactly, because we forget that when you fall, it Other actually hurts. Other
0: than
1: curling, maybe. But, you know. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Ask. Uh, it might not be an extreme sport, but, Dwayne, later on in the show, we'll talk about how extreme precision sometimes mm-hmm. is needed in that sport. And maybe sometimes it's missing. And, you know, it's not the last time you'll hear us talk about ski jump. In today's show, even in this portion. All right, Dwayne, so let's move to our bronze medals for this day two. Day three will come back after the break. Day two, my bronze medal for number two is Johannes Ludwig from Germany. Gold medal in the luge. Luge is one of my favorite sports to watch. I don't know why I like watching a sport. Filled with blades, ice, and men in spandex. For some reason, I'm attracted to it, Dwayne. Don't tell my wife, I guess. But to me, <laughs> that's a really fun sport. And I really enjoy the subtleties of controlling a lose. Like bobsled is great. You're driven to bobsled. But how you have to shift your weight and your ankles, toes, even how you move your nostrils. Well, it doesn't because you have a visor. But it's so minute the adjustment you have on the luge itself and how you control, it. and I always find it graceful to see these athletes, these big, burly, fat men, going down an ice sheet on two sharpened blades. And Johannes Ludwig caught my attention on day two with a gold medal performance for Germany.
0: The Germans are legendary in that on all the sliding sports, but but in particular, luge is, is a big one for them, and. uh, and yeah that would be a huge gold medal in that country and, and they continue to the success in there um, i'm more of a skeleton guy i think it's uh the idea that you're going to throw yourself face first down a mountain is, is even more absurd than than uh, on your back but but nonetheless it can be a lot of fun you just say it's technical it's probably your uh you know you're an f1 guy too i think you like the that
1: kind of tech yeah aerodynamic aspect yeah it's true and uh speaking of ski jump i just had a breaking news that we'll talk about later in the show because it's alluding to day three but uh it's alluding to canada and ski jump dwayne so i guess you can feel where i'm going with it later but uh yeah so that's my bronze medal for day two what is your bronze medal for day two dwayne
0: um, I'm going to give a bronze medal to the Chinese women's hockey team. Um, just in general, their play, this tournament has been uh, really inspired. It's been very good to watch. And, and women's hockey in this country over the last couple of days is, you know, there was an infamous sort of article written in one of the biggest newspapers in the country saying that the sport shouldn't be in the Olympics, basically, because it wasn't competitive enough. And it it quite rightly got ratioed, as the kids today say. Uh, in terms of uh, sort of it being a bit tone deaf. I mean, there, there is issues with competitive balance in the sport. There's issues with competitive balance in a lot of sports. And like we talked about this a little earlier in terms of how, you know, one of the reasons that the competitive balance is lacking on the women's side in many sports is simply because they're not funded properly around the world. So that's, you know, a chicken and an egg thing there, right? But when it comes to this tournament, I, I've actually been quite entertaining and quite enjoying watching the the lesser, we'll call them, the less accomplished, less successful, historic teams play because I, their game has stepped up and they're playing with a passion and a joy, you know, to chase sixth, seventh place. It matters to them, those positions. And the Chinese, they, they beat the Japanese two to one in a, uh, on the day that, in, that we're talking about here. Uh, that was what caught my attention. I watched most of that game and, uh, you know, it was a big deal for them to get that result. It was a big deal for them to get out there and, and put that win down and to you know, there's not a lot of fans in the stands, but there are some So to to win in front of their fans is great. And and look, they've they have some, um, you know, people that they've naturalized to to sort of make this the team a little stronger. But it is primarily a team made up of, of you know, folks that were born in China and had learned the sport probably at a relatively late age for them to be competing at the Olympics, I think, is is it's great and hopefully they can sustain that um god knows the world of hockey needs more countries competing at a higher level so yeah we hope that they can continue
1: and uh why would you talk about day three day three i don't know why i say day three because that would be like a plant. but day three i will talk about women's hockey also in my medal so that will be fun to watch and listen after The break. Let's now move to my silver. And my silver is a bit on the funny side today, Dwayne. I'm bringing it to something very different. And bear with me for a second. If you are Canadian, you will know who I'm talking about. Because over the last few days during the Olympics, it's a commercial that is basically everywhere, Dwayne. And I am talking about the bell commercial with uh, the two technicians that are like, oh, they see a bobsleigh. Can you give me the sleigh? And the guy said, no, it's a sled. And the woman, like, oh, can you give us the sled? And the guy, like, makes a move with his hands. Well, well, that guy, which we can name the sled guy, the sled guy, I used to work with him in the restaurant industry. He used to be a host. I cannot say hostess, but he was a host at a Montana's Berloque in Oakville, Ontario, uh, in the late aughts when I was uh, living and working in Ontario, and I was working with him for a few days, and I remember him talking about his dreams of becoming an actor, and it happened a few years ago. I saw him pop up in one commercial that wasn't as famous as this one, but now like everyone sees this, and they're like, wow, what a great job. Is really great delivery, but also continue working on your dreams, because 13 years after Working in in the restaurant industry for a brief period of time and and being open of his dreams while he put in the work and he is paying off and congratulations the sled guy is getting my silver medal for day two.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, you, we have a connection with another advertisement going on here, too. Um, this one's funny if you're a longtime listener of me in the podcast. But if you know the eggs commercial, you, you're, that's not funny. Your pants are funny, that commercial. If you do, uh, you do. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that's Randy Thomas, who was the original producer of uh, It's Called Football. So there you go. <laughs> there's a, there's that's a funny. funny.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, the old guy was wearing pants that are way too high. Yeah. 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 yeah but uh, anyway, so the slut guy is getting my silver for uh, day two. Why not?
0: There you go. All right. Fair. Just, at least it wasn't that Maybe, other
1: maybe that was it was too. just a, a reason to talk about the fact that I used to work with him in the Montanas and in, in Burlington Oakville.
0: My, you know, ironically Montana's Montana's has a great veggie burger. You wouldn't think so, but it, it it's the very, best.
1: very underrated as a chain itself. One of my best meals I had living in Ontario was at Montana's, to be quite honest.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's very, very popular if you haven't been in Montana's. Anyway, um my silver medal is uh we sort of spoke to the already, so we won't dwell on it too much. Uh you talked about the Canadian performance in it. I wanted to give a hat tip to Jakarta Anthony, the, the gold medalist in the women's moguls. Um it's interesting to me how New Zealand and Australia have really taken to the freestyle events, and, and this is a country that doesn't have snow, right? In, in so it, it would make
1: sense that some of the sports where you don't need snow all of the time to train, they would perform well in.
0: Yeah, and, and it speaks to the passion of that that country for the Olympic movement, right? That they're they're finding a way so that they can be part of the winter games, even though they're not a winter country. So so that's why I wanted to put that one forward, and and obviously a great performance to win the gold medal and, and another you know, continuing that tradition of, of success in the freestyle events. And you'll see the Australians, um, you know, pipe up, you know, in all, another similar events in the pipe, for instance, In um, that might be one that you'll see them in there as well, as well as uh, the aerials are pretty good at too. So, so yeah, uh, Aussie success, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive for a country that doesn't get a lot of snow and ice to be participating at the level they do in the snow and ice games.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, it's time for our gold medal for day two, and my gold medal goes to ski jumper Ryoyu Kobayashi of Japan, who won his first gold medal. He's a he won world championships before. He won a lot of competitions. He had ups and downs over the last four years. Did not perform well at the last Olympics, and was able to turn things around and get his best performance ever at the Olympics. And that is always impressive to me. When someone is able to not only perform, but perform like they've never really did in competition before, able to translate the hard work in practice, to translate that under the bright lights, and the five rings of the Olympic Games, and able to give their best performance ever, Ryo Kobayashi of Japan with a gold medal in Ski Jump. Shout out to legend Camille Stock, who's going to retire after these games. He was just off the podium on this one, but a shout out to him as a legend. But this one's for the young one, Ryo Kobayashi in Ski Jump for some reason. Is a sport where longevity exists. We will continue to see the young Japanese, even battling out with Canadians over the next few years, and it's going to be a fun time because ski jump is more appreciated now than it ever been before. And you know what, Dwayne? I've been talking about this for three Winter Olympic Games now. Finally, I'm not the only one. I love myself some ski jump.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh we've talked a little bit about ski jump. And we're going to talk about it again in a minute. So, so I'll just jump into, uh, to my gold medal and, and I'm kind of doing a bit of a cheat here, but it was from when we went off the air. Um, I'm going to give the, my gold medal for, uh, since we last recorded for that day three or day two, part of me to the mixed release, uh, mixed relay short track gold medal from the, the, Chinese team now Canada controversially got eliminated in this we're not going to dwell on that I already talked about the judging but it is always nice to see the first the host get their first gold medal in any games and you know say what you want about the politics of China and we have in the past so so I'm not going to be over the moon because I'm not crazy about their politics but I'm going to be happy for the athletes who seem very excited and short track is always exciting And the relays are, are incredibly chaotic it was a fun so, way to. So
1: stressful to watch. <laughs> like every single turn to be like, that, that's how I feel when I watch. First of all, my legs are twitching when I watch her track because I, for some reason, I feel like I need to turn to the left. But then You feel that energy and the, like the fact that, you know, they're just one, I guess, one false move away from being over.
0: I, yeah and they're wearing like knives nothing the they're wearing knives <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> i know
1: uh later on in day three there was a blade that broke in the 1000 meter final and i was thinking to myself imagine if they didn't notice and that blade is there and then someone just skates over it and then that blade just becomes airborne and then it just s- slices something uh, yeah
0: there's, well, there's been famous interest in that sport. What was the, the American, uh, the, the very good American? It's about two, two Olympics out now. Ito or something? Uh, and right, Apollo Anton Ono, maybe? Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. He was badly caught once in competition, quite famously. So it, it happens, right? Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extreme sport. It's a winner's sport. It's very extreme when you know, think there's about it. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's my gold medal. The mixed relay, which was also the first mixed event in, in short track history. Obviously, uh, the Olympic movement has made a big scene of, about having added a bunch of mixed events this year and you can understand why they're doing that and it is a way to get the female participation up and it's um, really
1: think, fun it's compelling because there's there's strategy involved like it's, it's really it's very interesting
0: yes exactly and the, the women's rate too for the first time there's more than 50 percent of female participation in in these games it's 53 percent of the athletes at the olympic games are, are female which is uh Part of the effort that they've they've gone for a while, and, and it wasn't too many Olympics ago that that number would have been around thirty percent. So, so that is something that they tried to address over the last decade, and, and they have. So, you got to give them credit where credit's yeah. due in that particular case.
1: That's very true. Which we have wrapped up our medals for day two. We'll take a short break. We'll uh, catch our saliva once again and come back and talk about day three right here on the Five Rings Podcast. And we're back on the Five Rings Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you find your favorite show. The Five Rings Podcast is available on our website, sportspodcastnetwork.com and you can also find an audio-only version on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash sportspodcastnetwork. If you like our work, you can also find the video show Soccer Today, which is our main podcast, available everywhere you find your favorite podcast and you can find the replay also on our website at sportspodcastingnetwork.com day three Dwayne, we have continued our journey through beijing day two is in the books d3 is about to wrap and we have our medals for day three but there's a few talking points i want to talk to you before we move on i talked about a breaking news it just happened Canada won a bronze medal in the ski jump mixed team event. Congratulations to Canada, a medal in ski jump. Oh, it's a good time to be alive.
0: Yeah, that's quite historic. And and as I mentioned before earlier, Today in the show that is going to be huge for their funding. They've meddled in the Olympics, which means they're now going to get uh, yeah. priority funding. <laughs>
1: and you, <laughs> you know, uh, you know the reason why why it's doing well too. Guess what happened in 2010? Canada had the Olympic Games, which meant there was new facilities for ski jump built in the Whistler Black Lake, if I'm not mistaken, area. Uh, black i don't know just whistler area and uh, since then and hopefully those infrastructures and the result would indicate that they have been used properly which means used to help athletes get better and look at it canada medals in ski jump and who knows this might not be the last medal canada gets this year in ski jump
0: never know um and as you say, the you know, facilities matter. We talked about that a lot when we we did Five Wings Weekly. We uh we talked about hard benefits and a hard benefit, of, of course, is infrastructure improvement of a game, and you'll see that. Um, you know, you'll see increased funding too. is kind of a hard benefit, so it all plays in. And obviously, the Vancouver game, had been seminal for this country in terms of its Olympic success, you you know, I think I mentioned this the other day. Canada went from being kind of happy to be there uh, to you know ruthless in terms of trying to get on the podium it's to the point now. I kind of miss it in a way when we used to only win five or six medals because the medals would seem a little more precious. Now a bronze medal happens and you kind of yawn and go on. Imagine <laughs> that.
1: Like a hopeful misses, whiffs on the medal. And they're like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> There's other chances. And back then, if you were like, and I'll use my famous analogy if you've watched this for a long time, if you're Perdita Feliciani you f- and you flub one of the few medal chances we have in Olympic Games, the whole country's against you.
0: Yeah, if you don't know that story, she was the defending world championship. or world, she was the two thousand and seven world hurdles champion. Went into the two thousand and eight Olympics in Beijing, the last the summer games there, obviously, and uh, her event was like day. I want to say like day eleven, day twelve. It was late. And the entire Olympics, there was literally like a countdown on Canadian recovery. It's like, oh, six days to produce. You six know, day,
1: like giving her the gold medal, like almost before the, even the first. And then I think it's the first race, right? The first qualifying, like the first freaking She fell race. in the first hurdle. She fell in the first on the, hurdle. She fell, fell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in her face. So yeah, this, I mean, this she's this a world end.
0: champion. So let's that's, that's, be clear about that. This was just, of you know, it happens in the hurdle sometimes. But yeah, it's, it's oh. when you have that much pressure and that much hype. I can
1: also use a, uh, I can use a winter game analogy, and I've talk, told you that before. It's their Jeremy Witherspoon. <laughs> Same thing. You're like, world champion, you're heading to the Olympics, you're on your mark, get set, the gun goes off, face blinds.
0: I believe he had uh, trouble in a couple Olympics, too, of memory serves. So, yeah. It, uh, oh, I
1: felt so bad. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you just like, and then you're just watching it. It's live. You're like, ah. Uh, yeah, the other guy's well, gone. You're <laughs> just there. You're like, well, what do you do? Do you get up and start skating? You're already like five seconds back. What do you do?
0: I yeah, it's it's well, you mentioned that earlier today. What when, when you fall in the Olympics, what happens? I mean, as exactly. I say, sometimes it's how you the, get back the, up. The glorious failures are sometimes as as popular. I mean, there's the famous in LA uh, going all the way back to '84 when the father ran out in the track, which that wouldn't happen now. They'd probably get tackled trying to get out there, but to help the athlete around it's it's look it's these are humans and they have pressures and you see some athletes thrive under it and some athletes struggle with it and when we talk about curling i might have a mention about that that exact <laughs> thing in a second so
1: well we can talk about curling unless you have it in one of your medals so i mean is it one of your medals
0: uh, i don't know i have Yes yeah, sir not it, it is but not exactly the same so okay. that, that's we might as well talk about the Canada here yeah, we can
1: just talk about you right the mixed curling Canada mixed doubles Rachel Homan and John, John Morris. Morris for some reason that that yell is gonna be stuck and imprinted in my brain forever Harder John harder John <laughs> It's gonna be stuck in my mind forever. Did you know that sometimes? an entire life's work can fit between a millimeter.
0: Yeah. Um, if you didn't see this, uh, the curling, the final game of the round, Robin Canada needed to beat Italy to, uh, to advance to the playoff. There's only the four teams out of a 10 team. Um, round Robin only the top four would advance to a straight semifinal, final uh, knockout and uh, Canada needed the win. Now that look, they shouldn't have been in that position. They they shouldn't, shouldn't have, have. They shouldn't
1: paid. have lost Australia. That's yeah.
0: Well, they were inconsistent all week in terms of their of their play, and a big part of that probably was they didn't have trials here in Canada for that. This was a hand selected team. Now they were supposed to have trials. Like this isn't the trials were canceled. Colored, really. yeah. they, they yeah, canceled the trials.
1: The trials were just after the men's and women's, right? So it was the men's, women's, and the mixed doubles, and that's where the fifth wave started in Canada. They were just barely able to finish the men and the women's trials, and then they're like, "Well, seems like we're going to handpick the mixed doubles because we got to cancel this. Uh, Omicron is here."
0: Yeah, and, and look, John Morris is a two-time well, a two-time champion, um, including the defending champion in the doubles uh, with uh, Caitlin Laws, who is going to be competing in force for Jennifer Jones' rank. Um, so they couldn't bring back the defending champions because cause Caitlin was involved in the other one, and the Canadian Curling Association doesn't want to double them up. Uh, now we're seeing other teams double them up this year too, so that's questionable whether they might not have just had Caitlin come over and Me, try yeah. to defend it as a team. And that's not against Rachel Holman because Rachel Holman is a great curler. She's a former world champion. She's a multiple of Scotties, which is the Canadian Championship champion. She's absolutely one of the top curlers in this country. Um, she. Had been represented in Canada in the last Olympics, and that's probably where the thinking was. No, yeah. she didn't, wasn't successful there either, uh and that was quite surprising for Canada to not get a medal in in the, the, the Winter Games and the, the women's side last time mm-hmm. in the fours, where they are the heavy favorites in both. Right, like every time they enter a competition, they're the favorites. Um, not that they don't lose occasionally, but Rachel well, Holman, as I so go ahead.
1: No, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna. Never mind. Just go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, I look. I'm going to say this carefully because she is a champion, but she also has a reputation for sometimes over trying and getting inside her own head. And I think there was a bit of that happening. I am also, I'm saying this carefully, as I said, but that draw to win, although it's a tough shot for her, that shouldn't have been tough. And it got heavy on that on her throw, got a little heavy. Uh, She wasn't communicating on the sweep very well. And that's normally a strength of hers. Uh, It just—it all that moment, which was they ended up the measure. They lost by about a millimeter. Uh, It shouldn't have been that close, and they shouldn't have been that position because, as I said, you know, John Morris coaches Australia. They were had only won one other match all all week, and they lose that game, where that would have put them in then they have to beat the Italians, which are which were
1: undefeated, which were eight and zero at that point in round robin. This was the last game, and this was late last night. And you talk about the communication. That's what my wife told me. I watched the end of this this match with my wife, and my wife, which she's not a sports aficionado, she's not a curling expert, and she was telling me that there seemed to be a breakdown in the communication, fortunately. and it wasn't swept in the proper way to curl it enough to slow it down for it to be perfect if it was heavy to begin with is what i found in my research when i was looking at this because i'm not a curling expert either so i'm wondering where uh, i fall things but you know maybe uh, the the overthinking of curling canada too and maybe that's not fair to say that of not wanting to doubling up maybe the best available athletes should be there regardless if they have 3 or two or one event at the olympic games
0: yeah there's yeah for sure i, I mean i think that they got unlucky with the trials I, I do believe that canada needs to address and to look seriously at how they select their their doubles teams for the next olympics because i think that the, it, the sport is probably going to move closer and closer to more specialist teams. yep
1: yep i agree because there's tech, there's a whole lot of differences and that's what actually is compelling about it feels more like regular curling, where not all sauces are perfect, right? It's it's more of a chaotic, where you see great moves like that Italian almost tr- triple exit move, where you sort of tuck, <laughs> tuck, tuck, and that was so beautiful, and the, the, the stone almost came back. It, it, it hit, and it was the so spins, perfect. Yeah, yeah it
0: coming backwards a bit Yeah, it's
1: crazy, and uh, you only, you rarely see those triple takeout or quadruple takeout even now in curling because. They're so good. The fact that they have auto place ball, balls, auto place stones, and the fact that there's power plays and penalty kills and a l- couple of different rules where you're not allowed to take stones out before a certain point of the, the draw. Those things are kind of bringing some chaos, and it's kind of compelling to watch.
0: Yeah, well, the doubles game, I agree. Um, I, I am a, a curling fan, as people know. Um, and I love the fours games, but the best comparison I can give, if you're an international sports viewer, you'll get this. It's, it's like T20 cricket versus test cricket, right? That the tradition game is the fours, and it will always have, you know, the connoisseurs will always love it. But when you're just talking about a general audience, the doubles is just, just far more interesting to watch because it's first off, it's quicker. It takes about an hour to play a game as opposed to about two and a half to play a fours game. It's, well two and a half would be like at the top level like a really strategic game but it's it takes a long time the scoring is less in the in the fours game because they're the strategy in there is to maintain control and you maintain control by keeping the hammer by keeping last rock so then if they can't score two or more you're just not going to give last rock up and there are some uh, teams at the at the elite level which have just mastered the ability to blank ends now so you have like the scotties final last year Sorry, not scotty's pardon me the the briar final last year men's championship in canada was was dull as dull as dishwater it was blank end after blank end it was just horrible to watch so so that's something that they're trying to address too and curling has over the years added tweaks to the rules of the force game to increase the scoring like it used to be you could remove rocks all the time now they have rock rules in place that you just like in the doubles that you have to keep them there um i mean it was if you go back to the eighties when I or the nineties, early nineties when I first started to watch this, like it was you could just clear any rock could be taken out at any time. And so they meant, would take out
1: all have, the rocks and the the one who had uh, the hammer would win one nothing every single end.
0: Yeah. They would just knock all the draw or all the guards off, off the top, right? Like it was just it was
1: pointless. <laughs> so <laughs> annoying. You put a guard up card, let's stick Go it down. Me. You put yeah, a guard I mean, down. we were
0: waiting for a God. blast. Like you, had to, you had to wait <laughs> for someone to miss. It was a game of errors. Now, there used to be more errors back then because, A, the curlers weren't as good, the and B, brooms. they were using the... Brooms, the
1: brooms sucked back then. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the yellow brooms revolutionized everything. If you don't know, is about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, and one company invented one broom, and one just broom surface that was, like, revolutionary and so good that the teams that didn't have it would yeah. lose it would literally yeah. be the deciding factor in games and then since then it's just been standardized
0: well yeah like you remember the swimsuits back in the summer games how that changed everything too or, or exactly my yeah, See, yeah very was,
1: similar was, technology also because it's a it's a fabric that creates high friction points and creates a high level of heat compared to another point and the very microfiber type of uh, fabrics so.
0: and, and as kevin said earlier the uh I mean, if you don't know the sport at all, it looks silly to you sometimes when they're sweeping. Like, what's that even doing? But what it's doing is quite, quite incredible. They can move the rock. A world-class curler can, can curl a rock probably ten, like two, three yards. They can move it or control like hard versus fast, and that's that. As you said, the, the sweep wasn't there. With with Rachel Holman, wasn't communicating what was happening. You kept hearing John Morris in that while he was on in front of it sweeping going rachel i need the line where's the line rachel tell me the line he was like his voice was cracking he was so frustrated by it and that look again she's a great curler and she's very good at the calls usually because that's her strength she's a she's a skip in her four games so she knows the ice and she knows how to read the play and her strategy is very good but there's just something some just something clicked at that point and it just didn't work out for her but but alas, and they were both like I felt so bad for them at the end, and I feel bad for right. her all the time because she gets a lot of flack for that, and she's she's got she's a very serious woman, and on the ice she doesn't look like she's having fun, and that results to her sometimes getting unfairly criticized as being mean or whatever. You, you
1: know, like that's saying. not gonna that's not gonna change right now. That's the unfortunate yeah. part is her redemption story does not have a satisfying end, unfortunately, and that's kind yeah. of like where
0: it is. She, She's not retiring anytime soon. No,
1: she, so. she, but will she be back? It's we'll see. Yeah, she, you never know. It's just, first of all, but she's a better skip, so if she'll be back, it's because she's a skip. And until Jennifer Jones retires, it's going to be hard to beat her. She, she, she did it was. once, but
0: uh, yeah, I mean Jennifer Jones might retire if she wins a gold medal. I sure, think she, but Caitlin 43.
1: Laws might take over or something. So yeah,
0: we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll we'll see those. We'll have lots to talk about them this week. So so perhaps we'll move on now. But yeah, it was very disappointing. Um, but you know, there's still. Two more great games of that of the of the doubles to take place the the medal games week tonight yeah. so I'm sure we'll be talking about it again tomorrow. Yeah,
1: exactly. All right, let's move on to our medals for day three. Uh Let's you I'll let you start, Dwayne. Go with your wood medal for day three.
0: I'm calling it Mask Gate. Um If you missed this, there was I guess you could call it COVID Gate too.
1: I did COVID miss Gate. it actually because I went to bed at ten thirty eight, so I woke up and I was like, wait, wait, wait. I was looking for the score, and I saw the whole thing and I was like, holy. I missed. I missed a good one.
0: Yeah. If you did, okay. For those that did miss it, what happened is that Canada and Russia were playing in the second last game of the round robin for for both teams last night, and uh, the game is supposed to start at eleven ten uh, Eastern time. And it's it's the Russian team's on the ice, but there's no sign of the Canadian team. It comes to find out that the that the Russians had not provided the negative COVID test to the Canadian team, which is required uh, by the rules of the tournament that you have to do your tests, your rapid tests, and then you have to show them to the other team. And Russia, for whatever reason, did not do this. And the Canadians were like, well, we're not playing until we see those those tests. And look, you can have all these COVID conversations if you want. We're not debating the merits of COVID testing here, but they're required by the rules. Russia didn't provide them. Um, eventually, there was some kind of agreement that took place that Canada said they would play the game if the Russians wore the masks, uh, the full mask under their helmets. The Russians said, we'll do that if you do it as well. So that's what happened. They played a game with no mask or with masks on, in which that's not ideal for a, an elite athlete to be playing without a full, you know, with a mask on them. I mean, you can get it, and it does sort of betray the um, – sorry, I'm going to be a little political here. If If, you know, elite hockey players can play an entire game with a mask on, you can probably go to the store with one. Anyway, um alas, it, it just was a mess. And it had to do with, you know, one of the teams just not following the rules.
1: I was going to It has to do with this particular team not following the rules. Yeah, and it's which a team is,
0: that has a history of that. Like exactly. Well, board.
1: we're talking about the ROC here, which is a country that shall not be named. That is a very big country in Europe. And that country itself is under a ban because for... Almost a decade now has failed to comply.
0: Yeah, and it it takes and it's it hurts themselves. I mean, I guess they don't care because internal, like at home in the rock, they will say they will gaslight and say that all the things you're seeing aren't true and we're the world's just jealous of us and they don't you know they say stuff like that which is a load of you know what so at any rate they but it does take away from their athletes to do other remarkable things i mean i'm gonna talk about a rock athlete later on in this who deserves to be talked about because of the accomplishment that she she had yesterday but even those i of our it a bit i i thought about it but then i went no you've got to trust the process a little bit here and particularly in the sport, I'm going to talk about it where I don't think there is doping in it. Cause I don't think it would help them that much, but, but nonetheless, we'll get to that one later, but yeah, follow the damn rules. I mean, they're there for a place. If you, even if you don't agree with them, they're, they're not much, we're not asking for much here. You just have to show your tests, do it then. And don't cause a big thug. And for those people out there, I saw people out there criticizing Canada for not agreeing to play. Well, that's just people trying to put their own anti measures spin on something it's not really the point guys it's and it's always guys um it's um the point is to make sure that you're competing is fairly possible, and that includes uh, contributing by the rules because why would canada play this game they have they know that they're going to play for a medal they don't want five other players to come down with you know to test positive because they were exposed to covid so they need yeah. to have that assurance and that's that's just where it comes down to
1: Exactly. Let's move on. I'll talk about my wood medal. It is, uh, unfortunately, to an athlete, and I hate to do this, but you know, sometimes it happens, just like sometimes it happens that you fall in qualifying or in quarterfinals in 1,000 meters, even when you're one of the favorites to win a gold medal. I'm talking about Pascal Dion, a 1,000 meters, and. Uh, Short track speed skating, and he it was a chaotic day in short track speed skating overall, especially in the 1,000 meters. The referee was very busy, but Pascal Dion unfortunately fell, and it was on his own, and it happens. And the ice quality is a bit in question for short track, too. And the conditions were described by multiple athlete, athletes as very dry. The ice is very dry. And they don't water it enough, is what it comes down to, according to some athletes that have taken part in the short track speed skating at the center. So Pascal Dion gets the wood medal, also the ice conditions for the short track competitions.
0: Yeah, the dry is a, a common thread for a lot of the conditions out there in Beijing. It seems to be part of the climate i suppose like dry Mm -hmm. ice the dry the the ice at the curling venue was was criticized a little bit in the beginning too they obviously the snow we talked about earlier today
1: which is um, funny that it would they would call it dry because when you think about it the ice cube was created to be pools
0: yeah well that's the humidity is causing the problems is what's happening there but
1: yeah (laughs) it's funny that humidity is causing ice to be dry but
0: yeah (laughs) yeah at any rate but uh it, it's. i do give them credit for recycling the, the, the facilities though as we said oh um, definitely yeah not just yeah, recycling
1: uh, upgrading too like they added like proper led lights outside and they're able to like to write things on them was, they really invested more money on these and yeah you're right they it's a rare recycling of events
0: yeah look i mean china is not a world power on the winter side um they're big and they're china so they're going to win medals but they're they're not it's not their area of expertise like this is kind of an emerging winter games in a lot of ways an emerging country hosting is what i mean so so they're gonna you know sometimes struggle to find the right conditions because it's just not natural but uh it is what it is it's here it is and you have to give the winter games to different parts of the world and you know we can argue both. Whether this particular country should have gotten these games, but that was an argument that he had to have in 2015. So, it's done now, and here we are.
1: No, um, you, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, and uh, we can continue now and move on to our poutine medal for day three. Dwayne, your poutine for day
0: three. I think we're going to talk about this again. This competition again. I am going to give my poutine medal to uh, Max Perot and uh, and McMorris, Mark McMorris, to who, uh, who were you know both on the podium in the slope style in what was an incredibly fun and exciting and amazing event. I love the slope style so much. It is, they're insane. Like they're these people are, are not normal. They're not like us. They, what they do out there is, is highly, highly entertaining though. And it was a highly, highly entertaining uh, competition. I'll, I'll say uh for later on in our conversation here, because his story is remarkable and we'll talk about it then. But just the high level of skill and the high level of pushing the envelope across the board was something that I really wanted to highlight. And, and for two Canadians to be on a podium, that hasn't happened very often in Olympic history. Uh, you know, Canada's got two men on the podium or two people on the podium, maybe five, six, seven times. I'd have to look yeah. for sure, but it's a right.
1: lot. Just Mark McMorris winning three straight bronze medal in three straight Olympic Games
0: yeah and he's he's a superstar here you see him oh, you know, oh also
1: um, you died in between because he had a backcountry crash that needed him to not only relearn how to walk and snowboard but he literally almost
0: died for sure and look 88.53 was his score for the bronze medal today which is a really remarkable score the only one one man over 90 which was uh, max pro the winner um it's interesting to listen to McMorris because he's a guy that we watched grow up and he's still not old by any means. I think, I believe he turns 29 this year, which is very young by any standard at all, except for sporting wise, between the sport he's in where he's now a Miller statesman. And you can see the maturity and you can hear the maturity in his voice. And, and he has gone from being radical dude in, you know, two Olympics ago, which was kind of fun to kind of a guy that has a, you know, is, is got a philosophy and his, his understanding that a bronze is is something to be cool about it. and that he's had a remarkable life and he's feels lucky and privileged to be there you can tell in how he presents himself now and and you know he didn't win the gold medal but he's on the podium again and he's proud about that and he should be so yeah it was we'll, we'll say perot and I hat tip to the Chinese writer too who who really pushed the envelope, and I thought... Oh, fact, yeah,
1: I, I don't have him in a medal, but I do want to talk about him. Su Yiming, who won the silver medal. He finished first after qualifying. He was the smoothest snowboarder I've ever seen in my life in qualifying. Like, Durrani didn't qualify. Uh, Perot kind of did a better run technically in the final, and we can talk about it in a minute when we talk about other medals that we have, but Su Yiming was the smoothest, the most fluid snowboarder I have ever seen.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I thought that the his second run might. have... I was surprised that it finished below Perot. but I mean Perot had a great ride. I mean either winner would be great, and I think you're right that there was a couple little technical things in there that. It's came because at he did. The edge.
1: It's because he did three triples in a row, so that's why Perot got it. It's like unprecedented to do that in competition, and that is a reason why. But like fluidity, smoothiness, and like just the eye test, you're right. Su Yiming could be. The smoothest rider on the planet.
0: Yeah, and and obviously, uh, not was you know he's just starting to, So so he will, we'll probably hear, him. but we'll talk about him four years from now. But yeah, that that that's that's my Poutine medal of the day. I will probably, we'll probably what we've alluded to it. We you know we'll be talking about it later on. We'll talk about Max Pro in a minute. So uh, I'll let you jump in from there.
1: My uh, Poutine medal goes to Kim Boutin for winning a bronze medal in short track speed skating. 500 meters. It was an eventful day in the short track. We've talked about it, the ice condition. But this final was a who's who in the short track speed skating world from Ariana Fontana, who finished and won the actual gold medal in this edition, to Kim Butae. Th- through all her stories from having some death threats in Korea, in Pyeongchang, after a South Korean athlete was disqualified, she received some messages and some harsh well not harsh and death threats on social media, on Instagram, and it took a long time for it to clear her, her her life. And she had some difficult times. She did have some great results and then some difficult times and she is back. She built herself back up and her confidence to being one of the best, if not right now, the best in the entire world. And because of the circumstances and the S condition and, and her time and the eyes she had lane three. So it was always going to be difficult to finish first or second. She was going to have to do a pass. And like we saw in short track, the high risk, low reward situation of trying to pass sometimes is is too much. And sometimes you're better off trying, looking for that window. She was aiming. She was going hard right before turning in left, if you understand what I mean. In kind of like a race car would do on a novel. Try to cut the corner and gain advantage, and over the course of a couple of turns, you might have a window to overtake someone. She was trying it. The window wasn't there. She was going, not going to rush it, and she won bronze. Ariana Fontana, who's really good. Fontana, five times world champion. Fontana also won the Ford World Championship in 2014 when I was there calling the race for my own content, but in 2014, world championship in Montreal, Foncation finished second, Fontana won, Fontana won the gold here, eight years later, at the Olympics.
0: Yeah, she's pretty dominant in that, and as you say, uh, it was really a protect the your your position sort of race, and and sometimes, as you mentioned, it, it is just best to stay there and hope for something in front of you rather than push something and end up falling and completely falling out of the medals. So, because we so saw a Canadian
1: get get disqualified, we saw athletes get disqualified for very small movement. If you try to overtake, you expose yourself literally to being disqualified if anything happens, even if there's a bit of flop because we're seeing that happen in the short track this year too. And that is unfortunate, but yeah, you're better off sometimes not creating that drama. If you don't feel the confidence and you feel the, the window or the opportunity or the space to overtake is there.
0: You know, a hundred percent. And as you, yeah, we talked about that in my wood metal uh, from way back early in the show that the the video replay does seem to be very um, very pedantic, is what we'll say. So, so yeah, protect your spot, and and that was a, a good skate for a medal today, a couple medals on the board for today. It's a pretty good day for Canada overall.
1: Exactly. Right. Bronze medal, Dwayne, for day three for you.
0: All right, I'm going to go to a Dutch speed skater here. Shocking, I know. Uh, they didn't quite uh, get a sweep of the podium, but they were uh, three of the top four, and the gold medalist in the 1,500-meter long track was Irene Durst. Uh, This is notably her um, fifth Olympics that she has won an individual medal. That is the first person in Olympic history to do that in five consecutive uh, Olympic games. And that's just incredible. (laughs) That's historical stuff, right? And you've got to mention that and you've got to you know, can I tip your hat to someone who particularly in your fifth one, so you're not a young you're not a spring chicken by the sports standard anymore either, right? Uh, manages to put down a, a great skate, beat the world champion and win a gold medal for a country that just loves loves the uh the speed skating. And as I said, they were um one, three and four today. So it's uh they're not really that weak, the Dutch. They're they're still going pretty strong. And Iron Burst is continues to be a great competitor in that sport, and uh, we perhaps we'll talk about her again, because she's got some more events to go. That's <laughs> yeah, I agree. And
1: uh we'll talk about Dutch and speed skating for a couple weeks more, I think, I believe. So we can move no. on, I agree. And I'll quickly move to my bronze medal, which is to the Denmark. The Danish hockey team on the women's side got their first win ever at the Olympics games last night, Dwayne. And they are 1-2 right now in Group B. And it was not easy. It was against Czech Republic. And for the last minute and a half, it was not fun. It was stressful. They had a few opportunity. They went down a good player. <laughs> then it was 6-4 for the checks. And the commentators were like, oh, Lord, this, this this might not happen. And the check got an amazing chance. The puck was on the, the stick of the player. She was going to almost send it in an open net. She flubbed it a bit. It was an, uh, a big save. And then the puck got off. And there was four seconds, three seconds. The puck is now in the neutral zone. And you can tell that the Dignity Team is going to start losing their minds to not say losing other things and then they all jump on the ice like they've won the tournament their first ever win at the Olympic Games in group B2 for the Danish hockey team on the women's side congratulations you've won not only the game but also my
0: support yeah, it, well and I've mentioned that sort of speaks to what I spoke to earlier on when I talked about the Chinese women hockey team It's that if you're frustrated by the dominance of the top two teams in this sport then and watch the rest of the tournament because the rest of the tournament is not bloods it's quite competitive and compelling interesting games and and the battle for bronze is going to be quite interesting i'm not sure who i would tip for that maybe the rock they they do seem to be coming together um but it's it's pretty wide open and uh, i the format that they use in women's hockey reflects the disparity of teams so you have two pools and one pool has all the players, all the teams advanced and the other two pool, which is the pool we're talking about right here, only has a couple. So these games are playoff games for these teams and, and the intensity reflects it. So that's that's a good shape there. So uh I'll move on to my silver medal then. My silver medal is I'm gonna give it to the Italian mixed doubles curling team. We've sort of mentioned nice. the other half of this game earlier on. Um we talked about Canada's performance in this. It'd be completely unfair for me to not to talk at length about the team that finished fifth while well, ignoring the team that is now undefeated, and as we were recording this, has clinched a spot, has clinched a medal. Yeah, they are yeah. will be playing for gold tonight uh, against um, uh, the the Norwegian team. So that's that's what the competition is this evening. And the Italians, which is Stefano Costantina and Amos Monsur, had been incredible all week. And in the doubles game, if you have someone who's strong and big and he can throw heavy, heavy weight you have an advantage. What they call it is hog to hog is the measurement they'll use in the sport. And that sounds weird, but what that means real simply is how fast the rock travels between the two lines of uh, the delivery lines, which is called the hog line. Um, he does it about a second faster than the rest of the world in the rest of this competition. And he's just a big, strong athletic guy. And his this team is incredible. I mean, they're playing for gold for a reason. And I suspect they will probably win that game. Uh, the game Canada gave them today or yesterday would have been the best sort of they were pushed all week and they still found a way through that with some incredible shot making and, and it's just it's a great team and with them hosting the next olympics to go in potentially as the defending gold medalist you expect yeah. that this, this is a team that's going to go around be around for a while longer too and and uh yeah it's the italian curling program has, has improved a great deal and that probably has to do with more funding because they got the next Olympics. That's so. true.
1: which we haven't really talked about Milano cortina d'ampezzo ...in 2026 will be a good time and a fun throwback type of Olympics back to a resort town. Looking forward to that. Alright, and it's now time to move to my silver medal for day three. And I will go to France and uh, Biathlon. We haven't really talked about Biathlon yet, but this one is in the 15 kilometers individual. But she also won a medal in the mixed relay already two silver medal for Anaïs uh, make sure that I pronounce it properly Anaïs Chevalier Bouchet which first of all is this beautiful name if you translate in English it means well Anaïs is her first name Anaïs Knights and Bouchet is kind of like a fancy way to, to say something so maybe she had knights maybe even who knows Knights of the Round Table or the French Virgin, maybe uh, even some musketeer in her history. Musketeers, who knows? But she has won two medals, two silver medals. So I wouldn't be surprised if she actually had knights because the way she's handling, not just the poles and the skis, but also the rifle. Yeah, she's definitely fearsome. And she's putting the fear in the competitors having two silver medals for France already in these games. <laughs>
0: Just laughing. I grew up in a town called Belleville, but it doesn't really match it. So there you go. Yeah, it's beautiful. not a really
1: beautiful <laughs> town, but you know, it's what happens.
0: Yeah, there you go. At any rate, um, usually
1: however, they don't uh... mention, Like I grew up in a, in a place called Terbonne, which means like good earth. Nothing was growing there. You couldn't you couldn't grow like tulips if you wanted to.
0: There you go. All right, let's uh, be serious. You know, the bath. I I've been enjoying the bathroom a great deal. It, it's it's just interesting, and I think it's uh, something about. About having that mix of competitions, it's not sort of sport we're exposed to a lot here. Um, just it's kind of fun. It kind of speaks to the Olympics to me, and obviously one of my earlier Olympic memories will be the. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't have a. She had some weird stuff after, but uh,
1: yeah, Miriam be, Miriam Bedard, and yeah. we, we don't have to talk about the rest, right? The yeah. has talked about that she was involved into an art art stealing r- r- racketeering ring or something, and like cult yeah. things. It's very weird, you know. The last three decades have been really weird, Dwayne.
0: Don't don't meet your heroes, I <laughs> guess that's what it comes down don't
1: to. Don't ever don't don't. Keep them far away from you
0: yeah yeah so anyway that's that has been fun and i've been enjoying it lots of that you'll see lots of uh, cross-country and biathlon throughout these games of course uh, the biggest individual in most of the world this would be, it would be the biggest sports too right so you know we have different focuses over here all right so i'll go to my gold medal Are you ready for this one kevin
1: i'm ready gold medal for the win. we don't have a, a drum roll but you know if we had one i would give you one
0: all right um i unfortunately i'm gonna go to the rock because i fortunately have to talk about an historic accomplishment um Figure skating is not my favorite sport in the world. I think I've been pretty open about that, and that's maybe some inherited biases into that. I don't know. Mom loves it. My mother loves figure skating. I have to tell her every day. I have to text her when the figure skating is on, so she turns the Olympics on at any rate. Uh, in the entire history of the sport, no woman had ever in a competition jumped up, went around four times, and landed until yesterday. So the Russian, who is she's only 15, Camilla Valerina, or Val, Valera. Yeah, she's uh, Valera. impressive, yeah, I'm, Yeah. She's going to be, well, the Russian figure skating program is, is incredible, right? Like it's, it's unfortunate that they get tied in with the rest of the Russian Olympic committee because they're more about the artistry than they are about the pure athleticism. But this is a combination of it here with this young girl that has Hmm. has managed to land the first quad in in history of the competition. That is a significant accomplishment. It, 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 you know, uh, you see it in the men's game side all the time now. I mean, they're, it's expected they have to do like four in competition in know you, you,
1: you can't win compete. a gold medal without landing a, a quad now.
0: Yeah, it, it just wouldn't even be. In fact, it's hard for them to land triples. I mean, someone was talking on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. Twitter the other day about this. It's like why do they struggle with triples but not the quads? And I think it probably has something to do with the fact that it's almost a tweener for them. Now.
1: <laughs> once you tr- once you're trying to go as far, it's like a, it's trying to ask a long jumper to just jump a meter. yeah i can't (laughs) yeah i've trained my body to go so far away that i can't just dial it back that easily
0: yeah i i can still remember when the first quad was landed uh this is early in my olympic memories i believe it would have been around calgary so it's been a long time for the women to catch up um but they're there and they're closing that gap faster i think because they're allowed to push themselves further and and who was it
1: was it scott hamilton that landed the first triple
0: I believe it was, yeah, it was a Canadian Whoa, that did it. I, I took this. That, out my, I they took happened this. pretty quick. There was two of them that happened very close together. If memory serves. I mean, we're we're really testing the length of my memory here. But. <laughs> we're
1: really testing the length of our of our knowledge too, because if I can just name five, I don't think I can name six figure skater of my past. Anyways, and I just think of four, and I have like Scott Hamilton, Kurt Browning, Elvis Stoiko, and Fabrice Candeloro, who might have oh. been the most spectacular and amazing figure skater in the history. Of the world,
0: yeah. Well, Scott and Tessa, of course, we can name them. But yeah, well,
1: they're, they're ice dancers. That's different.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't. We they miss Scott don't do and jumps. Tessa. They they were trending on Twitter in Canada the other day For because no ice dance was on.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: That, that so, gives you an indication of where they are in the consciousness here, anyway. So we're watching last
1: night. My, my wife and I were just watching a figure skating competition, the team competition, and she's like, "Oh, there's another 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 duo, another couple dancing uh, skating." And she's like, "They don't jump. This is different." I'm like, "Yep." Welcome to ice dancing. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true.
1: Uh. All right. I guess it's time for my gold medal. And my gold medal goes to Maxence Perrault. Max Perrault. Gold in the slow style snowboard. Three years after being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Three years after going through 12 rounds of devastating chemotherapy that ate away at his muscle, that took away his cardio, that took away his coordination, rhythm, smoothness, sync, all these synchronicity. These things are essential to be a good snowboarder. Spatial awareness. Three years later, he wins a gold medal. With the run of his life, never in competition, had he landed stomped three triples in a row. And he did. And this time, after barely qualifying for the final, Max Perreault got the gold medal. Of course, Suyi Ming, the Chinese, finished second. Canadian Mark McMorris got his third bronze medal in a row. But the headline this morning is about Max Perot. Beating cancer and three years later beating the world
0: and obviously that's that's a type of story that's gonna you know make headlines everywhere not just in Canada that is incredible an incredible story but even just beyond the cancer part which you shouldn't just dismiss clearly but even beyond that it's a good story in the sense that he's sort of always been overshadowed by his teammate not in a way that I think makes him angry or something but he he definitely is not the he's the lesser known. Of the two. But he's he's pretty good. <laughs> and there's
1: also, let's not forget, Sébastien Toutant, who finished ninth in the final. Uh, Seb Toots, which is his nickname, he's 19 now. He's been a superstar in the world of snowboards. He's, he's been 10. And he was a big superstar a decade ago of this delegation with Mark McMorris. And Perot was like the third wheel. And Perot got a silver in his last Olympics and this time around got the gold. But the whole story and everything going with it, it's quite the journey
0: exactly and, and look and they both uh well all these borders will essentially go into the big air as well where the canadians will be once again you know have metal potential there too so so it's a great story all around and I, I think it's 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 awesome for for max Perot to to be the headline for the day and and to get the you know the first gold medal for canada in these games i it won't be the last but he will get the first one and it's always nice to get it off the board and, and it was a great competition and as i said earlier on the show it's just the slope style is just so fun. I mean, it's there's a reason they start the Olympics off with it now. It is just spectacular to watch, and the scale air...
1: the scale of it. But I saw the Big Air too yesterday, which the Big Air by the way it's the first permanent Big Air venue in the entire world, in Beijing. It's spectacular. You see the old iron. The manufacturers factories behind that, of course, are, they're not in use anymore because of the nineties. They realized that oh, that's why our air is not good because we have these big polluting factories right downtown. So they shut them all down, and now you can actually see in Beijing. <laughs> it's good, but they build that thing, and that thing is freaking spectacular. And people are gonna die though in the big air because it's about twenty thousand foot high. But <laughs> I digress. Mm
0: exactly yes but they didn't have to paint the grass green this year <laughs> no anyway? no
1: oh my lord when you I saw one of the skiers like she fell and she didn't fell that hard but just a pure force just bended her pole and I can only imagine if that was my femur
0: oh yeah no they, they, as I said these people are crazy I'm just seeing my first medal ceremony in the background as we're recording oh, here
1: I, 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 I'm so mad at the, the whole idea of medal ceremonies don't get me started
0: yeah. anyway the, the, the armies involved there it's not yeah not great, but
1: no not great and also the fact that why don't you just give the damn medal right after the damn event
0: like, yeah, i don't, I don't understand yeah. thing. i mean that's that started actually in you can blame canada for that the
1: you can blame canada, little,
0: yeah. the first the first uh olympics that did the, the ceremony was calgary and at that time it was in the olympic square there in downtown calgary they it, they wanted to open it up for people that couldn't afford to go to anything. They just made that a free, and there was a concert, and they showed the medals at night. And, and that was knew. kind of a nice gesture to the to the general population. Well, now it's a ticket in advance. Exactly. So, you you know,
1: knew that was not going to stay. Like, oh, wait, we could actually sell these tickets? It's like, we don't yeah. have to add events to sell more tickets? Done! Anyways. So.
0: so, yeah, and it doesn't make any sense at all in a COVID Olympics, but nonetheless. um, Yeah, so there you go. Uh, look, uh, the big airs, all that's great stuff, and great stuff that china can see too so that's that's good too <laughs> exactly
1: on that note we'll take some arrests we'll be back with day four tomorrow until then you can follow this show on twitter at firings podcast you can follow Dwayne at 24th minute and myself at kev May. podcast version of this show available everywhere you find your podcast and on our website sportspodcastingnetwork.com. we have an audio only replay available on our youtube page also youtube.com sports podcast network and you can find all the other details everywhere you find your favorite podcasts but as always for dwayne Wallins i'm kevin Laramie. enjoy some rest enjoy day four and we'll be back tomorrow to break it down and as always have a great beijing 2022